Well, hello there. How are you? I have a question for you today. Have you ever struggled with knowing the right thing to do and then going and doing the exact opposite? If you have, then you've chosen the right podcast. Welcome to Life and Faith Chats, the podcast where we examine the decisions and choices of biblical characters, which I call personalities, and we use the number one best-selling book in the world, the Bible, to learn life lessons. I am your host, Joy. Our chat today is the beginning of a four-part series, and our special character, personality of the day, drumroll, is Jonah. The book of Jonah is rich with lessons, and so we're going to take our time. Today, we will only cover the first chapter, which is filled with a boatload of lessons. We will meet a disgruntled prophet who was a trip and took a trip. The word of God came to him, and we're going to examine his response to the word of God to others, as in people who are different from him or just happen to kind of be in his way. And we get to get a glimpse into what I believe is the heart of God. Jonah does not do this intentionally, but he inadvertently introduces us to the love of God for all people, him included, and for mankind. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world. What does that mean? And if you're familiar with that verse, have you ever really thought about it? The Bible tells us that God loves the world. So that includes more people than just us and the people that look like, smell like, act like, believe like. God loves the world. What does that have to do with Jonah disobeying God or being in the belly of a big fish? Good question. Better question. What does it have to do with you? Well, let's find out together. The Bible says that the word of God came to Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. Makes sense. God gave Jonah a word to go to the great city of Nineveh. When Jonah got there, he was to cry out and tell them, that they were to repent from their evil deeds. God said that their evil had come before him, and he was sending this prophet to tell them to turn away from it. Let's make a connection here. What does God call evil? Let's examine that in the light of the fact that God so loves the world. The essence of love is relationship commitment, sacrifice, and acknowledgement. Think about that for a moment. These people that Jonah was sent to did not know God, and even if they did, they did not acknowledge him. That means they were not acknowledging themselves, and they were not acknowledging one another. In other words, they were sinning against God and each other, and God wanted to have fellowship with them. For God so loves. Otherwise, why did he want them to repent? Which means to turn from their evil ways. And now we meet the prophet, 
the great man of God, Jonah. And this is Jonah's response to God's word. The Bible says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I have a friend who would have said, say what? This man of God knows exactly what to do, but chooses to do the exact opposite. He runs. He does not like this assignment. The Bible is such a fascinating book. It actually tells us why Jonah did not want to go. This prophet of God accused God of being, get this, too merciful. He knew that if these people repented, turned from their evil ways, God would forgive them and show them mercy. And of course, because we never act this way, we have no idea why Jonah is acting like this. Have you ever noticed how we always want God to be more merciful to us, at least I do, than we do to others? Guess I shouldn't have said that out loud, but we're friends, we're talking. Let's continue. Listen keenly or with spiritual insight to the progression of Jonah's journey after he decides to willingly disobey God and to flee from him. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Did you get that? There's more. Jonah not only goes down, down, but then he also goes down into the inner part of the ship. And he goes sound asleep. I know you've already caught this, so let me agree with you and let me state it. When we willingly choose to disobey God, is that when we begin our descend down away from his presence? And does that put us in a lower position spiritually? and physically a lower position than what God intended for us. In addition to that, does that make us insensitive, sleep, deep sleep, and unaware of others around us? Does that give us a cold, indifferent, insensitive heart where we do not know what The heart of God is because we're so busy trying to carry out our own agenda. Look around us. Look within us. How many of us, talking to myself, are sleepwalking because we're not obeying God? And we're also arrogant enough to believe that we deserve God's mercy, but no one else does. So the Bible tells us that Jonah is in deep sleep, definitely undisturbed and unrepentant. What did I tell you at the beginning? I told you he was a trip. And up until this point, it appears as if God has done nothing and will do nothing. You know how the folks that we call wicked, 
when they do what we call wicked things and it seems as if God lets them get away with it, or better yet, when we do things and we act as if God is unaware and he doesn't see us and we get away with it. Well, right about here, the Bible tells us that God hurled a great wind. So you mean God saw what Jonah was doing and he actually knew he was sleeping in the inner lower part of that boat, sound asleep. And guess what? That storm that was shaking this boat almost to pieces to disturb these sailors or mariners on this boat did not wake up Jonah. It was the other people's lives who Jonah was impacting negatively, almost to the point of death, that had to wake Jonah up. That is deep. Jonah was the prophet. But even when God moved in nature to get his attention, it took the other people to wake him up and say something's wrong. That's deep. So these other people are sailors. They're used to the water and they know that something's wrong. This storm, as I said, is unusual. And they're crying out to their gods to save them. And their head, the captain notices that there's this one man who's sound asleep down in the boat and he's not calling out to his God because he's sleeping. And the captain wakes him up. There's so many ways I could go with this. I'll date myself. If some of you know this song, Don't Rock the Boat, Baby. Rock the boat. Don't rock the boat, baby. You see, this stuff is deep and is serious. The captain of the boat told Jonah, get up, call on your God, small g. Perhaps the God, small g, will give some thought to us so that we won't perish. Meanwhile, the rest of them, the other sailors or mariners, were doing what they knew how to do in all of their wisdom and strength. Let me preface that by saying, earthly wisdom and strength. They were trying to solve a spiritual problem with human wisdom. You already know it didn't work. And may I just say, it doesn't work. However, in good faith, they cast lots. Again, man's way of solving problems. And it fell on the prophet. Surprise! The sailors then want to know who Jonah is, and I'm going to read what Jonah said. I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And the men were terrified. I read that straight out of the Bible. The men were terrified, not Jonah, the men. These men recognized that this God that this man served was not a small g. They acknowledged by their actions that this God who controlled the sea was a God to fear and respect. By the way, does this remind you 
Or maybe you have not heard, but do you know there's a story in the New Testament where Jesus calms, controls the sea? The men turn to Jonah and they ask him, what should we do to calm this sea? Because after all, it's your God. In other words, how do we appease him? Jonah, this is mind-boggling to me, who still doesn't seem to be upset, tells them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Just toss me right on in and it will calm down. And these men do what all people do, including us with good intentions. They roll harder. And guess what happens? This is good. The God of the sea, the storm becomes more tumultuous. Come on now, you got to admit, this is exciting. And it gets more interesting. But I've got to say something here. I don't know if Jonah knows this. I don't even know if he cared. But his actions have impacted these people's lives. His The consequences for his actions have put their lives in peril. May I say something here? That according to the Bible, it is not the people who do not acknowledge God as Father that impact the land that we live in. It is the people, it is us who call ourselves the children of God, that we, when we are rebellious and when we don't acknowledge and obey God, and when we don't do justice and show mercy, we affect everything around us, even nature. That is, back to my term for this story, this lesson, that's deep. And just so you don't think I'm making this up, I'll even give you the verse this time, because normally I don't choose to. From Second Chronicles 2.14, reading from the King James Version, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Jonah was not humble. And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So I wonder if this is the place where we say, wake up. And I wonder if this is the place where we say, God, humble me. I wonder if this is where we say, God, maybe it's not the next person, but maybe it's me. Maybe it's somewhere where I've missed you and I need you to please Heal me so that you can heal my family or those connected to me and heal my community, my, my, my country, and heal the world. Maybe this is a place for reflection and honesty and being humble before God and knowing that even though We think he doesn't see us when we do those things that do not please him, that he sees us. But it's his mercy 
as he waits for us to repent and humble ourselves. And then these men cry out, and this time they use capital. And they say, please, Lord, don't let us perish on account of this man's life. And don't blame us for innocent blood. And listen to this. They say, you are the Lord. Capital letters. Whatever you want, you can do. That's more than what Jonah said. Jonah knew in his mind, but that's not what his actions said. They reluctantly throw Jonah over and a calm and peace comes on the boat. A calm or a way out comes for these men when they acknowledge who God is. Not when they were in their own strength, rowing hard, trying to solve this spiritual problem. Remember that. Jonah, on the other hand, still has not cried out or repented. And his storm isn't over. However, God in his infinite mercy has prepared a large fish to swallow this prophet and prevent him from perishing, drowning, ending it all, because Jonah was about to go down some more, like way down. He still did, but God spared his life. The same mercy that Jonah accused God of having for the people of Nineveh, God extended to Jonah because God so loves the world. What does this disgruntled, arrogant, selfish, rebellious prophet and a large fish have to do with you, have to do with us? Or paraphrasing with a more familiar song, what does love have to do with it? Everything. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us that God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have life. I find it alarming that Jonah was willing to perish, to die, to drown, rather than to surrender his will to do what God asked him to do. Say it with me. That's deep. Is it possible to be so wrong and to be so sincerely ingrained in your own beliefs that you miss the heart of God? I'll leave you to answer that. As we conclude, I have lots of questions for you. Did Jonah successfully derail or stop God's plan? Did he get to the opposite direction that he was headed? And when we mess up and repent, can God redeem our time? My friend, my distant DNA cousin, you've got to come back because now we're out of the boat Our little cruise has stopped and we're in the water with Jonah waiting to be swallowed by this fish. Or is he already in the fish? You've got to come back. Please 
for us to find out and together discover and uncover more lessons that God left for us to learn from these characters in the Bible. In Romans 5.20, we learn where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. We have a lot more to learn about God's love and mercy from Jonah, the unwilling prophet. Until next time, please remember to subscribe, tell a friend, and extend the same grace and mercy that you've been extended. This has been Life and Faith Chats with Joy. Peace.